We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now, NDE Radio. A weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. Our guest today, Mira Sai, was born to a prosperous family in New Delhi, India. She was a different person then, named Artie, and benefited from an excellent education in a Catholic convent school run by British nuns. She went on to a philosophy major at Lady Sri Ram College and later studied world religions in the U.S. At the same time, encounters with the famous Indian guru Sai Baba began her preparation for the conversion that an NDE would soon facilitate. Meanwhile, a visit to New York in 1973 led to her becoming the CEO of her own wholesale business at the young age of 23 manufacturing and importing her own label of designer clothing from India for Macy's and other major U.S. retail stores. Following that, she became a successful financial advisor to the Indian community in Northern California. In 1994, while driving her 560SL Mercedes convertible, an accident suddenly catapulted her into her life-transforming, soul-exchanging NDE. After her recovery, she abandoned her materialistic life for Sai Baba's ashram in Puttaparthi, India, where she stayed for five years, delving deep into her new bliss-filled being. Mira is the author of a book of spiritual poetry entitled Enstasy, which literally means standing inside oneself. The state of Enstasy is that state of nirvana where one recognizes the void, the absolute reality that everything is nothing. Instasy is samadhi, the highest state of meditation in which a person experiences oneness with the universe. Thank you, Lee. Nice to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. I'm so looking forward to this. Tell me about your growing up in New Delhi. Ah, growing up in New Delhi. Well, um, I, you know, I, 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 by the grace of God, I come from wealthy parents. And I went to, uh, you know, a Catholic school, Convent of Jesus and Mary. And then uh, and then I went to boarding school in the mountains for two years, Waverly. And these schools were like, you know, the the, the very, very elitist schools of, of, of India uh, and uh, British nuns. So, you know, we had to mind our P's and T's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and all that. So it was uh, it, basically that. Then, of course, I, I went to college uh, in it's called Lady Shiram College, it's a very, very good college. And um, I did philosophy. My major was in philosophy. Mm-hmm. I had a I basically I mean, you know, uh, my my I kind of come from uh, my great grandfather was the 
was the like he's called the Raj Devan of 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 uh, Alwar city in Rajasthan, which is more like the the royal prime minister kind of thing to the king. Uh, when you know uh, in those in those years in the nineteen forties, so uh, that was like Delhi. And growing up in Delhi, you know, I was always uh, very different. I wasn't like your normal <laughs> children, you know. Uh, I was very, very Western while growing up because my father was very Western oriented. My mother was quite Indian oriented, but my father was very Western oriented. So they had gone to, uh, in fact, they went to uh, to Europe for a vacation with the other family members and they asked me what I wanted. And I said, well, I just just get me some music. And uh, what they got me was, I, that's how I got introduced to Leonard Cohen, to Joan Baez, to uh, Bob Dylan, you know, to Jimi Hendrix. Uh, all all my favorites. <laughs> yes, I mean, it was amazing. My entire music world just kind of, you know, yeah. uh, it was beautiful. So, uh, yeah, so I was, I had, a, like I said, a very Western uh, growing up. Uh, but then, uh, you know, when I met my spiritual master, uh, Sai Baba, I also a kind of uh, many miracles happened with me. And so when I when I met with him, I also learned, uh, you know, uh, uh, the richness of the Indian heritage. And, uh, and, you know, what I had learned in philosophy in college, kind of, you know, kind of also came together nicely for me, because I attended a, a summer course at the, at the at the ashram there for a few weeks. And uh, it kind of uh, changed my life mm -hmm. because I started to, you know, appreciate Western and Indian culture both. And it was kind of, I was blending in very nicely with both of them, you know. Yes. Did the uh, the Catholic nuns try to uh, convert you to Christianity? Oh, no, no. But, you know, I, I used to go to church. I had my Bible uh -huh. and, you know. I prayed to Mother Mary. We did the, we did the, you know, our Father who art in heaven, everyday prayer, you yes. know. And so it was, I love Christ. I'm very close to him. I have a very, very strong connect with him. Very strong connect. Yes. In fact, he's come to me in, in dreams. And I also have, uh, after my near death, actually, I had, uh, I used to get headaches. Uh, and so I went and got uh, uh, an MRI done of my brain. And I have that, I have a copy of that MRI and right in the center of my forehead in the MRI itself, you can see Christ on the cross. Uh, really? It's, it's wow. very amazing. Yes, you can see his hair, his beard, his feet crossed over, the hands out and even the INRI injury, you know, on the top of the cross, it's all there right here. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I have, uh, uh, I still have that MRI and I can share a picture of it later if anybody wants. Uh, so uh, Christ, Christ is very, very dear to me. Yes. yes. He has come to me in visions and dreams. Yes. Well, tell us uh, a little about Sai Baba and what he taught you. Well, Sai Baba is, uh, what he taught was love all, serve all and help ever hurt never basically. Hmm. These are the two main things and that, you know, we are all one. And there is, uh, you know, it's like there is only one religion, the religion of love. There is only one caste, the caste of humanity. There is only one language, the language of the heart. And there is only one God and he's omnipresent. 
he comes in different colors and shapes and, and names to different, different people, just as different cultures enjoy different foods. Yes. You know, God comes to different people, different cultures in different flavors, but there is only one. He's only the light. There is only light. Mm -hmm. There is only light. God is light and love. That's all he is. He's just love. Uh -huh. Was Sai Baba uh, Hindu or Buddhist? Oh, he's no religion. No, 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 is no. I he's see. he's 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 no religion uh he is uh he i mean there were people from all over the world all countries that would uh, come there you know uh all over the world millions and millions and millions of people hmm. and because he didn't he taught the universal language of love basically he and he what he said was he said i don't want you to uh change your religion he says if you are a uh, Christian, I want you to be a better Christian. If you're a Muslim, be a better Muslim. If you're a Buddhist, be a better Buddhist, be a better Hindu. You see what I mean? Yes. He said, just be a better who you are. Yeah. That's it. How did, how did you find him? Oh, that, okay, I will tell you. Uh, see, when I was in Waverly Convent, I used to be uh, going, I would, I would go to the chapel every day, you know, and I would pray to God. And uh, this was when I was 11 years old. When I was 11 years old, I'm sitting in the chapel in the mountains in Waverly and I'm praying to God and I'm saying, God, when you came here as Christ, I know I was here. I don't know who I was, but I was here. And I felt the same way about Krishna. Hmm. You know, Krishna is one of the Indian gods. And I said, Krishna, when you were here, I was here then too. I remember it, but I don't know who I was. And then I said, God, wherever you are, wherever, even if you're in the ether, wherever you are, just call me, call me, please, please call me, wherever you are, call me. I used to pray to God to call me in this lifetime, wherever he is. And I'm, the other thing I prayed for was, and don't forget to remind my parents to get me my chocolates. <laughs> so it was it was god and chocolate as i was growing up <laughs> that sounds you know? like an 11 year old <laughs> yeah yeah so 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 that's what was happening with me and uh and actually um i don't know if you uh want to go into the whole story but i will just kind of i had gone to a, a a gathering with my mother uh um uh, you know when i was in in 1972 she had asked me there's some holy saint coming and she was going to come with me as all right so i went there and i sat and i as soon as i heard sai baba's voice i just something happened to me and i said i know this voice i know this voice i recognize this voice this voice is divine and i kind of went i i closed my eyes and i just kind of either went into a trance or i went to sleep i have no idea but i was woken up by my mother after an hour or so she says you slept through the whole discourse i said well you know and then something very interesting happened i kind of uh, we were waiting for the chauffeur to come and pick us up the car because there was yes. like a hundred thousand people there so very crowded so he was probably stuck in traffic so while my mother and i were waiting i i kind of uh, wanted to i just took a walk i just wanted to be away and you know, whatever and i was standing it was a huge cricket ground and uh, just to uh, summarize it I, I i heard the rustle of something a rustle behind my shoulder and i turned around and i, I thought it was an animal or something and it was a very old woman she was on the ground i thought she'd fallen and i saw so in hindi i asked her if i should help her up 
And she says, no, 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 take, take, take. And I said, take what? She was pointing to the grass and, and mud and I couldn't see anything there. I said, take what? And she said, uh, she called it vibhuti, vibhuti. It's like holy ash. So, I mean, I don't know what vibhuti is. I said, what is vibhuti? She said, like I was asking too many questions. She says, take, 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 hurry up. <laughs> all right, I didn't want to disturb her. She's an elderly lady, you know, I want to respect her. So I said, all right. And so I'm bending down. I'm like 21 years old at that time. And I bent down and I, uh, I, I, I started taking out this mud and grass. And as I took out this mud and grass, I, I got up to show it to her and there was nobody there. Wow. There was no one there. And I was like, where did she go? There's only a grass filled cricket ground. There's no trees, shrubs, nothing. And so I'm like, you know, I shuddered and I said, oh, what's the heck's going on? First, the voice is, you know, going on in my head. I know this voice now, this thing, where's that lady gone? And then I kind of uh, opened my hands and I almost had a heart attack because when I opened my hands, there was no mud in my hands. There was this, there was ash and grass. So mm. I have no idea where the ash came from. I had pulled out mud. And so I, so I was like, I was ready to throw it away. And I said, I better go to my mother. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so as I, you know, got, got just started moving towards, I, I hadn't thrown the ash. I was just kind of lifted my hand. And from a distance, I saw another lady walking towards me. And I thought, oh, I'm not so crazy. That lady's walking back. And as she came closer, I recognized her. She was the mother of my best friend in school. And it was Barani auntie. And I'm like, oh, so my hand just stopped in midair, seeing a familiar face. This lady came to me. And my this auntie came and she asked me, what am I doing here all alone? I don't know, we've come to see this, um, um, I don't know his name. She says, oh, Sai Baba. I said, yes, yes, Sai Baba. That's what his name is. He says, yes. And then uh, um, she comes close to me and she says to me, she says, you know something, beta, beta means child, you know something? And I whisper back, yes, auntie, what? And she says to me, she says, three, four people have found Vibhuti in the ground here. And I was like, what? That's the same word, vibhuti, you know, that that elderly lady. So I put my head out and I asked her, I said, this, I showed it to her. And she, she was, she was like shocked. She was like tears pouring down her eyes. How did you get this? What happened? And I told her everything. I said, I don't know. I said, where did that lady go, auntie? Who was that lady? What's going on? She says, no, no, that lady was does not no lady. That was Sai Baba. He came in the form of that old lady. To give you this vibhuti. I said, what is this vibhuti? She says, eat it. I said, no way. <laughs> I got it from the <laughs> you know? So she said, no, no, eat it. And she ate some, she gave me some. And then she said to me, she said, Sai Baba is a very, very divine being. He is very divine. He has come to help the world to evolve, to help them evolve and go into higher consciousness and to go beyond the body, beyond, or she, she just told me two, three things because I really couldn't understand what was going on at that time. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. That was how I got introduced to him. And then he came to me in a dream uh, about two weeks later and said, come to Puttaparthi. Three times, it was just a voice. It was not him. It was just a voice. And I don't know where it was. And then finally, with a lot of things happening, I finally made it there. And that's how it all started. The journey started with him. Wow. Now, were you uh, were you there before uh, your accident, before the NDE? Oh yeah, I went in nineteen seventy two, and the wow. NDE NDE happened in nineteen ninety four. Right. So when? Uh, how long were you there the first time? Oh, the first time I was there for about three weeks. 
And you, a lot of but, miracles happened. A lot of miracles happened on that trip, which it's all in my book. I'm writing an autobiography uh -huh. uh, of the NDE and the before and the after, because before my NDE, um, and and in that in that at that time, Sai Baba had called me, and I had gone with my two sisters, and uh, and so he had called us in, and he'd said, "Go, Swami is with you," and I had no idea go where. My father was a very wealthy businessman. He had his factories and uh, plastics business and all that. And so he wanted to come to America for, he'd just started the clothing business. So he brought me in 73. I came with him and I, the interesting thing is that when I was sitting in the airplane in, in America, when I came to New York, when I was leaving, I was crying. I was crying and I was looking at America from the airplane and I was saying, don't, it was like I was, the country was calling me. And I was saying, don't worry, I'm coming back. I'm coming back, don't worry. I'm telling the country, I'm really, you know, like, and, and, and two months later, I was back. I was back on a vacation uh, with my sister and a lot of things happened. At that was the time when I became a CEO of my own corporation at the age of 24. I opened my own export import clothing business. And, you know, the journey started and uh, it's uh, it was amazing how, and I, big, you know, went on to have this business. I have Macy's and uh, Saks, Bloomingdale's. They were all my customers, clients and all that. And then I went to California and I became a very, by the grace of God, I became a very successful financial planner, uh, financial advisor. I was very well known in the community, did extremely well, became very wealthy. And then I had the, you know, the, the, the car accident. I was driving, actually, I was in my, I had a 560 SL, the Mercedes sports car. I was driving that with my secretary and I wasn't driving fast or anything. I was driving slow. It was in the suburbs and a car came in front of me, hit, whatever. Yes. And, 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 and you accelerated it. instead of braking. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, tell, tell me, tell me, uh, you said several miracles happened in that first three weeks that you were at the ashram. Uh, huh? Tell me, a, tell me a miracle that, that you, tell that you impressed you. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, this is very interesting. Uh, it's, 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 it's a different kind of miracle. First of all, of course, I saw, I saw Sai Baba materializing, you know, uh, the holy ash and all kinds of things. Uh, to me, the biggest miracle that happened was the love, the love. Mm. It was when, you know, he didn't look at me for the first 15 days. And I was like, well, I've been called and he's not even looking at me. It was time for introspection. Oh. You know, a lot of weeding, you know, and he was waiting to do all that. And then I decided that I'm going to fast and I'm not going to move from the spot till he looks at me at least once before going back. And uh, my sister and I, we sat and it rained and we were cold. We didn't eat. We were hungry for like eight hours didn't move from that spot. And then in the evening when he came and he came straight to my sister and me and he stood there and uh, he just he just bent his head and he just looked. And the love, the love, it was the love of a thousand mothers. You know, one mother's love, but this was a thousand mothers. It was like a shower. He got wet in the rain in the day, but then the shower of love was was just kind of it was just love and i was transported into a completely different dimension it was like touching source it was uh, it was amazing and the tears were falling 
so to me, that is the biggest miracle. But, uh, you know, um, there were other miracles, uh, like one of the things I've had, my book is filled with miracles. I mean, filled with miracles. Uh, there is, uh, I, there are so many that uh, I, I can't even think of which one to tell you. But uh, one of the things that happened, which is kind of like a miracle, is uh, on the last day, uh, I wanted to go to the main ashram, which is where he had called me, because this was in, in Bangalore. And um, basically, um, I had to change my train tickets. So I went to the, uh, to the railway station to change the tickets, and I only had four hours. And um, by the time I got there, it was like it got delayed three hours, this, that. And again, I wasn't eating. I was just praying, praying, praying. And I was just taking Sai Baba's name for almost like four hours continuous. And um, and so basically, um, you know, he uh, uh, and by the time I got the tickets and I was returning, I was already two or three hours late, four hours late, actually. The bus was supposed to come at four, 12 o'clock and it was already I reached there at four and I was relieved thought, oh, they've all gone and there's no way I can get to Puttaparthi now. My sister's really disappointed. And as soon as I entered the ashram gates, I saw all the students sitting there and like, what happened? And they said, the buses are delayed. And literally five minutes after I entered the gates, the buses landed up. So it was almost as if he had delayed them for me to get back <laughs> and to get, you know, to the place. So this is like, uh, you know, it's a minor things, but one of the main, one of the very big miracles that uh, I won't go into detail, I'll share since you're asking, is was in 1987, because that will be a little part of the story, is when uh, he came to me in a dream and uh, he said to me, he said six days, he gave me a thing, I had attended a wedding of, of some, of, you know, of a family here uh, in California. And so he said, six days after the wedding, I will come and take your brother away. And I was like, do you have to? He said, yes. I said, will you be with him? Yes. Will you be with me? Yes. And then he spoke a little more. And then as he was leaving in the vision, a dream, he kind of turned over on his shoulder and he said to me, he says, by the time you get there, he will be gone. And I woke up and I was like, oh my God, I had, I had brought my younger brother at the age of 13 and a half to, to the US and he was staying with me. So, and he was 19 at that time, when he was last year of school, 18 or something he was. So I, I thought it was that brother and I thought he was gonna die in, in, in six days. Mm. And so, um, you know, after four days, I finally told him, I couldn't tell him. And I finally told him, he said, oh my God, you're telling me now, I only have two days to live. And I said, well, whatever. So then uh, that very same day, my sister from India called me and she said that my father, had uh, had had a heart attack, he had diabetes and he was in the hospital, but he was perfectly okay. And he was gonna be coming back home in a day or two. So all this was happening. And then the day after that, while I was sitting and doing my prayers, Sai Baba said in my head, go to India, it's your father. So I said, what are you I'm so upset with him? <laughs> I said, why did you tell me it was uh, my brother? You know, he says, because in a past life, he was your brother. Wow. One of the things. The other thing he says, when you came to me, you came, you looked at me as your parent. So he kind of was like a brother to you. And then he said, and remember, do you remember? I told you that by the time you get there, he will be gone. So I had to confuse you. You're not meant to be there. 
at that time. Go now. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, so I, I'm trying to, and then I called India. I called India. I told my sister, my younger sister, uh, that, you know, Papa is going to die tomorrow. And she says, what do you mean? She's crying. How can you say that? I said, look, Sai Baba came to me in the dream and told me he's going to die tomorrow. So please, you know, do the last things, give him any papers he has to sign, your properties and whatever you want to do, prayers, give him prayers and all that, you know, if he has a will or whatever. She said, no, 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 she didn't believe me. So I spoke to her father-in-law. I mean, it's difficult for anyone to believe. Sure. So, you know, I spoke to her father-in-law who's a, who's, who, who, who had a lot of respect and regard for me and he believed what I said. And I said to him, I said, Uncle Ji, uh, uh, you know, he is going to die tomorrow. I don't know what time. So I have only one request for you. Can you please, please, please keep his body for me? Because, you know, they would cremate it within a few hours. So he said, all right. Nothing will happen. But if it does, I give you my word. That was it. So I got a ticket on British Airways. One ticket I was able to get. It was Friday evening, I remember. And I got onto the plane and I told the air hostess, I said, please don't um, disturb me. And uh, excuse me, if I want anything to eat or whatever, I'll ask. So she said, uh, okay. So I went and sat on my seat. It was a window seat. And I, um, you know, I, what do you call it? Um, uh, you know, put the tray down, I remember. I put my hand on my tray and I put my head down. And for the next three hours, all I was doing was saying Sai Ram, Sai Ram, which is a Sai Baba mantra, just his name, basically. I was just saying it for three hours. And um, because I knew that my father was going to be going sometime now, but I didn't know what time. And so I, um, you know, uh, but, Three, four hours later, I felt someone's hand at the back of my head, you know, just kind of uh, caressing my head. And I knew that was the hand of my father. I knew that hand. And I knew, okay, he's left. I knew he had left. Now, this may be hard for people to believe, but this is my experience. I saw it and I'm telling it as and how it happened. And so the tears started coming down my face. And that's when I raised my head. I knew my father had left. So I kind of looked out the window. It was dark outside. And all of a sudden, I see this flash of lightning. And in this flash of lightning, I see this big, huge, giant hand. And the hand had an orange sleeve. And in that hand was sitting my father. Wow. My father was sitting. I can still see him one knee down, one knee up. He was sitting and he was looking like this. He, he was being shown me. And I could see him from a distance. And then the tears really fell because then I realized I wasn't crying for my father anymore because he was in the best hand as possible. Yes. I was yes. crying for the love of Sai Baba that he had brought him to me wow. because it was his hand and his sleeve. And the vision vanished because I would not have seen him otherwise because he had told me in the dream, I will go and get him. So he showed me, see, I went. Okay, when I reached uh, uh, London, uh, I called my brother and my sister who were in California. They didn't have a green card that time, so they couldn't come, only I could go. And so uh, they, I said to them, what time did the call come? They said, how do you know? I said, because he came to me. I said, oh, he came here also. I said, what do you mean? She said, so my sister tells me, she said, Dhruv, my brother, uh, you know, when he heard the news, he just couldn't stop crying and crying and crying because he thought he was going to die, you see? Yes. Yes. 
Yes. And, and so it was like, you know, he was just a young boy. And the reason why he was crying more was because father's birthday had been about a week prior to this, his, his death, it was, which was May 9th. And, uh, and he had spoken to my father and my father had been telling him to write to him. And so my brother was crying saying, I promised I would write to him and I didn't write. I wanted to tell him I love him. I didn't tell him I love him. I didn't tell him I love him. Now I can never tell him. He was crying and crying. So my sister said, don't worry. Don't worry. You write your letter now. Write your letter now and tell him you love him. Tell him whatever you want to tell him. And I promise you, Sai Baba will get it to him. You know? Yes. And so he said, okay. And so with tears, you know, he's writing his letter. And after he wrote the letter, they both apparently, this is what they told me, they both sat in the in the altar. And there was an eight by 10 picture of Sai Baba in the middle and all the other, you know, the full altar was there. And so there was a candle burning on one end of the eight by 10 and they put the letter on the other end and they started singing and praying and all that. And all of a sudden, the left side of the, of the candle, it was a glass uh, container, it just shattered. And the flame came out of the of the of the of the thingy. And instead of going towards the left where it had shattered, it actually the, it climbed over and went across the picture and burnt the letter. That's all it did. Wow. It just burnt the letter. It was like, oh my God. It said he came and received it. Then of course they put out the fire, you know. But that's how he came there. When I reached India. You know, uh, and then they said to me that Paul uncle, that was the my father-in-law, uh, he called uh, three hours ago and said that father had left. So that was the time his hand was on my head and then he showed him to me in the in the sky. When I reached uh, India, everyone, he had kept his body as promised. He had kept his body in the, you know, on the slab of ice is how they do it over there. And, uh, and so uh, everyone's asked, how do you know? How did you know? How did you know? I said, Sai Baba came and told me. So then basically to end this, um, the day after when we went to the cremation ground, um, I, um, you know, uh, I, I, women are not allowed to go the next day to pick out the bones, we call them flowers. So, uh, so but I insisted because I knew I had to be there. And so I went and they allowed me. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, I mean, it's, 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 it's an amazing experience. It's amazing. It's amazing in, you know, in both ways. It's like not good and bad, but it's like, I have no words. Okay. You're sitting in this cremation ground where there's fires burning. Okay. Fire is burning rather. Yes. And, and, and you're sitting, I'm sitting in this huge seven by three foot you know, space where there's all the ashes of, you know, my father lying over there. And I'm sitting there and I say to my father, I say, you know, now you know. Now you know what's on the other side. Now you know the truth. I said, I want to know. I also want to know, but I don't want to know it the way you know it. Why? The way you have known it and how everybody knows it when you leave your body and you're gone. I said, I want to know it and 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 in it now. So I and I did this very without thinking. I mean, I wasn't thinking. It was not even nothing conscious. Even my mindset was not in that frame. Nothing. I just something inside of me just made me go in there and I picked up a handful of my father's ashes. I picked those up 
and I lifted my hand up and I was speaking as if to death, to the universe, to God, to myself, to that, to the I am. I was speaking to that and I said, I made a vow. I said with an intensity I didn't even know I had. I said to know is to know and I will know all there is to know in this lifetime, in this body. And I poured the ashes back. And then I, you know, I was like, I don't know, something had come, you know, and that was that. And then all of a sudden, I'm going through the ashes and I find this amazing looking bone. This bone is our atlas bone. It actually looks like a human being sitting in meditation, just like you see the Buddha behind me. Wow. And I, I picked it up because it was so beautiful and it was white, pure white, like a, like a brand new bone, delicate. I picked it up and I put it in the palm of my hands and I was looking at it and I was like, wow, it's just so beautiful. And I said, what is this? And the priest who was sitting there, he got very excited and he said, oh, you found the Atmaram. He called it the Atmaram. I was like, what is the Atmaram? Atma is another name for the soul and Ram is another name for God. He says, this is, this is the soul, this is spirit, uh, you know, where it resides in our body, apparently. So I said, but what does it mean? So he said that when we leave our body and, you know, majority of people are not, um, are not ready to go. They're afraid. There's so much fear and all kinds of things. They don't want to leave. And so there's a fight. There is a resistance rather, you know. And at that time, this body cage, this, sorry, this soul cage, the spirit cage breaks. And then the soul is freed. If, you know, an example of that, and it's right here. And if, you know, when they hang people, you know, when, you know, basically the rope is around the neck. Mm -hmm. When they tighten the rope, this is exactly where the spirit is. But you tighten it, that's where it uh, it exits from. Huh. It's kind of interesting. I thought about that later. But so then he said, so I said, but, but what does it really mean? You know, he says, well, you know, 75% of the time, you can't find it because it's such a delicate bone. It gets destroyed because of the resistance and the, it breaks. And maybe 20% of the time you find it, but it's a little broken and you can just about make out that here is that. That's that that sacred space where spirit resided in the human physical body. And then he says, but maybe 5% of the time you can find it the way you have found it. It was almost brand new. I have a photograph of it. Um, uh, and there was just a little uh, uh, brown discoloring here because it was a heart attack. I think he died. And he says, and the reason why you, it is like this, because this this person, your father, he says he was a very noble soul. And not only that, the most important thing, he left his body without a fight, without any resistance. He left very peacefully. And I was like, oh my God, of course, Sai Baba had gone there to get him. He must have shown him the light. And so there was nothing to fear because my father was not ready to go. He was only 59. He had his properties, he had his factories, he had his business, he had everything going. He was not ready. He would have fought and resisted that 
cage would have broken big time. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You know what I mean? Yes. So, so, so that's like, to me, that's one of, personally, that's one of the big miracles. I've, there are many, many. My entire book is filled with it. It is a book that it will blow your mind. It's like, how can this be possible? You know, but it is. And the thing is, the thing is, even Christ coming on my forehead. Before going in for that MRI, I was talking to God and I said, God, and I said, I wonder what's in my head. He's going to be checking, but I'm thinking of you constantly all the time. So it's got to be you. (laughs) (laughs) But I said, I wish I could see you in my head. That is my request, a casual request before I went in for the MRI, you know, and he showed himself. And then a week later, I see, I saw other faces. In fact, uh, you know, for people who are, you know, who, who have an affinity with the ascended masters, you know, El Moria is in my head. You can see his face. It's very, very clear, you know. Uh, and the, there are other, uh, uh, Ganesha, the Indian Hindu God, and Ganesha yes. is there. Ganesha is there. There are others. So it's like, and, and it's not just me. See, he's in your head. He's in everyone's head. Divinity, all, all the different forms of divinity we carry within us because we are divine. We are divine. We carry. And in whatever form of divinity that we connect with, you know, we connect with, excuse me, and that we, you know, are born into, basically, the culture we're born into and that we connect with, that is the divinity that, you know, we live with. But I connect with all. See, I, I even studied a world religion and I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm ordained as an ecumenical minister also. So I believe in all the religions of the world because my religion is love, because God is love. God is love, you are love, I am love, we are all that. If we can touch that love in each other, that is our religion. You see? And Sai Baba was a channel for that same love that you felt when you had your near-death experience? Yes, absolutely. Because you speak of the love that you felt when you were going through that. Well, so then the wish that you had when you held your father's ashes came true in your near-death experience. Yes, it was almost as if I, my subconscious invited it. Yeah. It invited it. See, we have to ask. Christ says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened. We have to ask. That choice God has given us. See, God will never impose upon us. He waits. God waits for us. He says, come, my child, I'm waiting for you. Come, come, come. But we have to ask. And for whatever reason, my my consciousness, because I didn't ask with the conscious mind, really. Something deep inside of me moved me that day to ask and it was granted. But when I had the NDE, there was no form. There was no Sai Baba, there was no Christ, there was no Buddha, there was nothing, nobody. Because God is only light. The forms we ascribe to God 
are what we choose to and what we love and we what pleases us. And God comes to us. He's a mirror. God comes to us as and how we call him. If we see him as mother, he'll come as mother, even a relationship. He will come to us as a friend, as a mother, as father, as however we see him, he'll come to us. You see? Yes. Because he's in us. And so now I'll go to the NDE. So, um, you know, I, I was driving, uh, you know, to Los Angeles from San Francisco uh, for an appointment, actually. And I had my secretary sitting with me in my car. And uh, basically, uh, I was very tired. I went for an appointment. And then I went for a second appointment. And it was quite late at night going back to the hotel. Um, I was exhausted, sleepy, tired, because it was a long drive from San Francisco to uh, Los Angeles. And as I was driving back, it was in the suburbs. I was driving at normal speed, you know, just like maybe 25, 30 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, I see these uh, uh, two boys. There's a car on my, on, in my left lane speeding up. It was night. It was maybe like 1130 at night. And I was just going to the hotel. So these boys uh, were kind of speeding up next to me. And I was like, fine. And then suddenly, they came right in front of me. They came right in front of me, uh, you know, without any warning, without any signal or anything. And there happened to be a stop sign uh, a little bit for a little further up. And they just came in front of me and they stopped at the stop sign. And it was so abrupt. And so and there wasn't much space left between my car and them. And uh, I was so exhausted. I kind of became alert all of a sudden and I pressed the brake to stop the car. But I didn't realize that I hadn't pressed the brake. It was actually the accelerator in my tired, exhausted state. And that car is a 560SL Mercedes sports car, which goes from zero to 60 within seconds. And so you can imagine, I pressed it full, <laughs> full throttle, I would say, uh, because I thought I was pressing the brake and uh, that was it. It was just a huge bang. The car hit the car in front. And the next thing I knew, I was, and, and here's the thing, I was not wearing a seatbelt. This was in 1994 when seatbelts were not mandatory mm. and uh, I wasn't wearing it. And so uh, the only thing I remember uh, at that moment was my body lifting. I just remembered my body lifting and hitting something, something hitting something, probably my head must have hit the windshield and I blanked out. I blanked out and, uh, and, and the next moment, second, whatever you want to call it, I was, uh, there was a void. I was in the void. No, sorry. Basically, what I saw was I saw myself inside my body. I was in this river, I would say, a river of light. And I was like, where am I? And this river of light was moving and I was moving inside this river of light. And I realized I was this spark in this river and this river was inside my body. This river of light was inside my body and I was moving. Mm. And I was moving at, at a, at a the, the interesting thing is the, I was moving at very, very high speed. And at the same time, I was moving very, very slowly. It was like, there's no sense of duality. You know, uh, uh, high speed and, 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 and slow speed was, was the same. And very strange. And I was witnessing this thing happening as well as experiencing it. Again, no duality. And it was perfectly natural and normal. And so here I am moving. 
And uh, as I'm moving, I'm just moving and I see myself kind of moving upwards, almost like towards my head. And uh, I'm, I'm moving, moving, moving. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm kind of, uh, I reach the top of my head. And the thought that comes in my head is, oh, I'm going, I'm going, going, going. And I'm out of my head. I just kind of I'm, come out of my head. And all of a sudden, I'm not in the light anymore. There's this amazing void. It's a, it's a darkness. It's a darkness, but I'm not afraid. It's very comforting. It's a very comforting darkness, but it's not like a dark darkness. It's like a warmth. It's, it's just dark. It's the void and it's the silence. It's silent. And yet there was life. It was alive. And I was a little bit confused. I'm like, where am I? What's going on? You know? And uh, as I'm kind of trying to figure out where I am and what's going on, I, I look at myself thinking I'm the body and I see that there is no body. There is no body, but I'm thinking I'm here, uh, but I'm not and I am, you see. And at that moment, yes. uh, just as I was uh, kind of wondering what's going on, I see in the distance I saw in the distance this amazing, like a like a like a light shining, and this thing coming towards me. And as it came closer and closer, I saw it looked like a vessel of sorts. Um, it was like you know, if you cut a, if I may say so, if you cut a papaya in half, you know, it, it it's like a boat. It's like a canoe or a boat, something like that. Yes. And uh, it was kind of coming towards me. It had it was. It had an amazing, amazing golden hue. Uh, it was golden. And inside the center of it, I could see like there was this brilliant light coming from the center of it. And as it came closer and closer to me, it was almost like uh, it had this, it was, a, it was a bed or a mattress of light, which was shining like a million diamonds. It was just, just sparkling, this, this bed. You cannot just imagine this golden boat, you know, and it was not golden like a like a gaudy gold. It was just a beautiful golden halo, like a halo-ish light. And, uh, and this white thing is coming closer and closer and closer. And I'm just looking at it and just it's just so magnificent. And as it comes kind of really close to me, I see that there is a like there, there's a figure, there's a human body lying on it on its back. And this human body is also wearing the same colored, like this goldenish, you may call it like a like a like a robe or a wrap or some kind of garment, you know, but a loose garment. And that is also like literally glowing. And as it comes closer, I look at this figure and I get the shock of my life. I look at it and I say, Oh my God, that's me. It was me. It was my body. And as I saw that, at that moment, the thought came in my head, oh, my God, I'm dead. I am dead. That's my body. It's a dead body. It's my dead body. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, but I wasn't afraid. I was not afraid at all. It was just uh, just the warmth and the, and the comfort. It was very comforting. And then I realized that it was this vessel, this boat, this uh, whatever you want to call it, had come to pick me up, me in spirit form. And I kind of, uh, I can't say I climbed into it, but I was, next thing I knew, I was on the boat. And suddenly, um, 
this body I saw, and again, seeing and experiencing, I saw the, as soon as I got on the boat, the boat kind of tilted upwards. It tilted upwards like that. And the, the feet of the body were, were facing, were up and the head was down. So I know that when we leave in whatever way, the, we go up by our feet and uh, you know there are traditions where they tie the feet or whatever, whatever. So the feet were up. And so next second, yeah, I kind of just shot this, this vessel just uh, went through like a rocket. It just went through the darkness, literally tearing through the darkness. And the next second, next, next moment, what I see is there is no darkness, but there's this brilliance. All of a sudden, I'm in this amazing brilliance, this light, this brilliance. And I can, I'm just surrounded by this amazing feeling that I couldn't really put my myself around. Like I just loved it, but I didn't know what it was. And next moment, second, whatever, it was as if I was standing on an, a non-existent cloud and I was almost like jumping, if I may say so, not a body, but I could feel a jumping I can't see sensation, but I was like, like a child is jumping. And I kept saying to myself, I know this place. I know this place. I've been here before. It's like, I made it. I made it. It was like a sense of, I won't say achievement, but it was like, oh my God, I made it. I made it. I made it back. I knew, I knew what it was. I knew where I was. And I was thrilled that I had made it back. That moment uh, I felt the presence. I felt the presence. I felt the presence of, of love. It was all encompassing, embracing, welcoming me back, you know. And it was just like, I can't, it was an amazing feeling. It was like, I'm home, I'm home, I'm back home, you know. And the next moment, I didn't want to go anywhere. And I was like, okay, I'm back. And so I wanted to say bye-bye to goodbye to where I had come from. And so I kind of looked uh, over uh, this non-existent shoulder of mine. It, I saw myself as just this electric beam of light. We're just electricity. Uh, so I'm this electric uh, electric beam or spark or whatever, just like zizzling. And, uh, and I look over this non-existent shoulder for this world, the earth where I'd come from to say bye-bye to it. And... Uh, I'm, I'm, I have 360 degree vision. I can see everywhere, but there is no world. There is no world. There is no earth. There is no galaxy. There is nothing, nothing except the brilliance, the brilliance. And I'm like, where did it go? Where did it go? And the, the universe, which is, it was almost as if I was answering myself because there is no other over there. And the answers that were coming, answer that came was that the world is an illusion. I said, well, how can it be an illusion? <laughs> it was so real, you know, I, 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 I experienced it. And then I was told that that was all mind created. It was my own mind created world that I created from my own thought and I lived it. And now I was back home. And that from the space that I am, 
I can create any world I want. You and I, we can create, we have created our world. We create our world and then we live it. And then we come back home and say, aha. And then there is an assessment how we did what we did and then, you know, all that. And then we want to go back and do it better. So, uh, so that's how the game of life and the thing keeps going on and on. So anyway, so this is what happened at that time. And I realized uh, uh, what it was. And then there was no, uh, there was no, uh, there was no attachment to it. There was no attachment to even, uh, you know, family or people over there or the world or nothing. And the reason for that was because it was, I knew at that time that it's non-existent. It is all my own world, my own mind, thought created situation. And I can create it again if I want to, mm. you know, in the same way or different. So, so, uh, so, and that, and then also, of course, I realized even in the darkness, when I was in the void and when in the light, that even though I was dead, I was alive. I was me. I was alive. So we never die. We never die. We are eternal. We, we cannot die. So there's no reason to fear death. You see, death is just a doorway for us to come back home and then reassess and then come back again. It's like going on vacation, you know, different, different vacations and you come back home. So anyway, so while all these, uh, this was happening, all of a sudden I see this amazing, incredible, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what to call it, but uh, uh, I, of course, found a name for it later. But uh, I saw this, my own spirit being, this electric light, all of a sudden, from the left side of it, these little atoms like bubbles were just kind of leaving the body, just going out. And I'm looking at them and I'm saying, what is happening? And as I see this thing going out from my left side, I see that from my right side, there is there are similar bubbles, but they are much uh, finer. They are smaller, thinner, finer, like a very very fine high frequency. They were entering in from my right side, so it was as if there was I was being emptied. There was I was being emptied and I was being filled. So it was it was a transmutation that was happening. The arti, the me that had died was leaving the body and it was dissolving 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 and going into that nothingness into that into that i okay i won't say nothingness into the light into that love presence into the god presence into into supreme consciousness which is what it was and as it's going more and more into that side there is this other frequency entering 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 into me and i am being rebirthed I literally saw a transmutation happening. You know, it's as if like being touched by the philosopher's stone. It's like I was dying and I was rebirthing. Uh, so there was uh, one portion of me leaving and there was something else coming in. And it was like, I, uh, I can kind of, uh, see, as I was dying, I was merging and melding within and into supreme consciousness. And as this was happening, there were these, uh, there was these, this, this information, this knowledge, this knowing, I call, it, I call it the knowings. The knowings are literally pouring in from the top of my head. It was the knowings, the, 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 the universal knowings and teachings were just pouring into my system. 
into this. Uh, it was like a like a computer being re reprogrammed, refurbished, you know. Uh, uh, so with new parts, with new spiritual DNA, with whatever uh, was happening, and uh, and 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 it, this went on for a while, and the knowings kept coming in, and at that moment I experienced the total, the total total, total oneness with Supreme Consciousness. I was the I am that I am. I was the peace that passeth understanding. I was home. I was the that original source that I and you and we, we all come from. Mm. That knowing was there. And at that time, it was like, it was beautiful. And then all of a sudden, while this is going on, it kind of suddenly this whole this whole uh, exchange of atoms stopped. It stopped, and I saw that Arthi was no more. It was like uh, like a caterpillar and the butterfly. It was as if there was a new rebirth. Uh, I was the phoenix uh, rising from the ashes. I don't want to say the ashes of Arthi because Arthi still lives in 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 this in the body. And, uh, and, and, you know, I was born from that little spark of her because, and the reason why she couldn't fully dissolve is because of her vow to the universe, where she had said that she wanted to know all there is to know in this lifetime, in this body. So you see, this body, this lifetime had to continue, and this body had to continue with that knowing. So a little portion of her remains to experience that knowing that she has experienced, but it was almost as if Mira Sai and Arti had made an agreement, uh, you know, for this to happen. So she could experience it in this body and lifetime, but it was Mira Sai who came in to allow her to give her that experience, you know. And uh, so basically the next moment or second, whatever you want to say, there's no time, there is timelessness. Uh, uh, so uh, the next, uh, you know, moment, all of a sudden I see uh, there is this, in this brilliance, in this white love presence. And again, I, 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 it was, it is love, 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 love. It is God, it was God. God is love, God is love, love is God. And we are love. We are that love. You know, we are sparks of God. We say we are the children of God. So if we are children of God, we have the genes, if I may use that word, of God. And if God is love, then who and what are we? We too are love. That is our, that is who we are. And that is why we search for it when we come into the body. We're really searching for ourselves, you know. Oh, yes. But that later. Uh, so basically, next minute, next second, I'm in this amazing, beautiful, uh, you know, supreme consciousness. I'm bathing in consciousness as consciousness. I'm home. I'm complete. I'm full. I'm happy. You know, it is the highest consciousness. It's like we say Vaikuntha in the in in Indian scripture. It was like reaching the the ultimate. You know. Uh, where you don't, where where you can just merge and melt, and and then that's it, the journey's over. But at that moment, I see in this brilliance, I see this like a like a tube, 
I call it the umbilical cord. I call it the cosmic womb. It is like a huge umbilical cord. And it was like a beautiful pale brown, pale brownish, uh, you know, color uh, of this tube. And I can see outside it and I can see inside it. And that's the only color in this white brilliance. And I'm like, what is this? And as I look inside of it, I see this little fetus. It was like a human baby. It was a fetus of a human baby. And it was curled up like a fetus, head down, feet up. And I'm looking at it. And then all of a sudden, I say, oh, no. Oh, no, I realize that's me. And I say, oh, no, not again, not again. No, no. And the universe, I can actually hear it now. This is loud. It's Again, it's hearing, it's in me. And it says, you must go back. And I say, no, 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 please. And it says, you have to do the work. And I had no choice. But of course, I must have agreed to it. And so the next moment, the next second, I see myself. I am in this fetus. I am the baby. I am the baby. And I am hurtling down or crossing dimensional barriers. And I'm thinking, where am I going? Uh, in which body? Where am I going? And, and all of a sudden, I am shown. I am shown the entire Arthi's life because I don't know where I'm going and who I'm going. So I'm shown the entire life. And, uh, and, and, and that's how my book starts uh, with the NDE and then Arthi's life starts. So uh, I'm shown all that. And then the next moment or the next second, uh, I've, I, I kind of, I'm, I open eyes, I open human eyes. I open human eyes and I'm looking at a rear view mirror in a car and I literally scream. And it's not a scream, it's almost like a cry. It's like the cry of a baby when the baby is born, you know, they slap it and it kind of lets out a cry. It was almost like a cry. It was a, it's a birth. And, and, and I, and the sound like that came out because I saw that my entire lower, these lower four teeth had come out of their sockets. The jaw from here had broken and my teeth were lying on my tongue and, uh, you know, you can't speak. But the interesting thing was I had, by the grace of God, he had, I had brought back supreme consciousness with me and there was no pain, zero pain. I could feel nothing, but I could see. I could see all around. I could see behind me to my right, to my left. And I was just kind of fumbling around for a, for a, for a tissue or napkin. And I kind of just went back and there was something at the back and I wiped my mouth and I tried to open the door. This is a two door car. So I tried to uh, open the, the, the door and it was jammed. It wouldn't open. And I kind of looked to my right and I saw uh, Artie's secretary or the secretary sitting and thank God she had a seatbelt on uh, and she was kind of moaning and groaning. I think she had concussion. And so I leaned over, opened the car, do door of the car and I, I kind of climbed over her because I just wanted to get some air. And as I got out of the car, I, I came out into the night and uh, I actually felt like I was in the twilight zone. I was like an alien standing there and like, like, okay, I'm just like almost like stepping on it for the first time, kind of. Uh, it was it was not new, but it was new. I, I don't know how else to explain it. So how long after that 
Amira, did you decide to renounce the successful life of Artie and uh, and go a spiritual path? Okay, so when I came back, this was in 94 of July, this is when this happened. And, uh, you know, um, I, I got the, I got the, how should I say, God spoke to me and I got the guidance and the, and the thing to, to come uh, to God and to be as a zero, zero in wealth, zero in name, zero in family. And uh, and that was not easy uh, uh, because Arti had a big name, and I was in. I'm in Arti's body. I have part of Arti in me, but I am, I am who I am. So it was not. Uh, so basically, I had to wrap up Arti's life, and the only thing I was a little concerned about was that. Well, how am I going to eat? You know, how am I going to live if I just walk away from everything? And uh, uh, and and so, uh, but still. I, I put the, uh, you know, so, so one day I had actually, I had gone to church in San Francisco with some of my uh, Sai Baba friends, and this was Cornerstone Church in San Francisco, and, uh, you know, I had been, okay, before that, let me share a vision with you, you like this, I had a vision, and in this vision, I saw myself uh, flying up uh, as, as a soul, uh, I was flying up, 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 and as I was flying up on my left-hand side, I saw another soul also flying up, but this was like, a, it, was, it was not a soul. Uh, this, my soul was like just brilliant light, but this soul was a little bit, it didn't have that much light. And it was flying up slowly and it was holding the carcass of a dead buffalo. Uh, hmm. uh, and it was just slowly, slowly flying up. And I looked at this soul and I said, I said, let go, let go. I was telling the soul, let go, let go, let go of all these attachments. Mm, you know, see, uh, uh, less luggage. Uh, Sai Baba always said, less luggage, easy travel. So I said, see, less luggage, easy travel. Let go, let go of your <laughs> attachments and everything. See, I have no attachments and I'm flying free. And then I realized that that soul was also part of me. That wow. attachment, that part of me that was not being able to let go of the house especially the house and how I'm going to live that part of me, that fear, you know, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden I uh, see, I saw that it kind of, uh, I had let go and then I flew higher and higher. And as I flew higher, I saw there was this beautiful, beautiful castle in the sky, you know, like we have in Disney world, yes. uh, uh, the uh -huh. castle, uh, uh, the crisp and this castle was a beautiful crystal castle, shining, shimmering. It was magical. And the castle was, kind of calling to me and saying, come on, come on, it's you. And I knew it was my castle. I was waiting for me and calling me. And then I saw another castle and another one and another one. And I saw that each and every one of us, each and every one of us has our castle. We all have our crystal, beautiful, shimmering castles, mm. in which is our home. See? And so... I reached there and as I reached there, there was a voice that kind of came out and it, it asked me, do you want this castle or do you want the castle, the concrete brick and mortar castle that you have? Hmm. And in my immediate answer at that time was, no, 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 no. I want this castle. The brick and mortar is temporary. And the next second, I mean, next, I woke up hmm. and that a few days later is when I went to Cornerstone Church with my friends. And interestingly, the pastor that day was speaking about 
I don't know, something about attachment or this or that, something, I don't remember what it was. And I was like, okay, that's it. I made my decision. I had some paper uh, uh, in my, I had a notebook or something with me in my purse. I took out this piece of paper and I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to God. Sitting in church, in Cornerstone Church in San Francisco, I wrote this letter to God. And I said, God, as of this moment, I lay myself in your hands. I surrender completely. Just like you took care of Francis of Assisi, you take care of me. I give up everything as of now. I wrote that letter and I placed it. Sorry, I get a little emotional. So I placed it in the Bible. And I, you know, left it on the pew and I left. Uh, and then the very next day, I put the house on the market. I put the house on the market. And, uh, and, and you know, God, he said, well, you're supposed to give it up. I thought, well, it was a, it was like a three, $4 million home. And of course, I had, you know, there was this apartment building and another property, et cetera. So he had asked me to come to him as a zero. So I was really supposed to walk away. I was supposed to give it up. So he didn't even let that house get sold. And, uh, uh, you know, so I won't go into the long story, et cetera, but it literally uh, the day I was walking away, the, the bank uh, officer came and he gave me a check for $1,000 as a, as goodwill. It's a long story. wonder that, but so that's, I walked away from everything. I walked away and, uh, and uh, you know, and um, I don't know if you want me to share the mana story, uh, how I got over the, uh, you know, the fear of financial fear, but uh, but God was very kind, and He helped me get over the fear of of not having any finances because He wanted me to come as a zero. And I had I was born in a wealthy family. I lived with wealth, you know, a self-made person. And then to go as a zero with not knowing where my next meal was going to come from uh, 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 was not going to be easy. But He made it. He made me strong. Uh, and he assured me that I will never go hungry and I, he will always take care of my food, shelter and clothing. And so help me, God, he has taken very, very, very good care of me. Yes. He has kept his word. We have limited time at this point, yes, but I, I wonder I if you could could talk about uh, Parabhakti. Ah, OK. As a as a some closing remarks. Parabhakti. Parabhakti is, is the height of devotion. If, since you say Parabhakti, then let me quickly say that there are three ways to reach God. There is the Bhakti Yoga, the Karma Yoga, and the Jnana Yoga. Uh, if I may quickly say, Jnana Yoga is through knowledge, you know, the scholarly, the reading of the scriptures and, and you know, expounding those. And then there is the Karma Yoga with action and selfless action and service and all that. Then there is the bhakti yoga, which is pure love, devotion. And it's interesting that you ask me that because that's what I believe in. That's what I live because God is love and bhakti is devotion to God. And that is the easiest and the fastest way uh, to reach God and to reach our goal. Because uh, when you are in a scholarly state and you go into the jnana, uh, the, there's a danger of, of, of the ego uh, rearing up because you like I know this and I know that and, and the knowledge factor so you you have a very big fall a spiritual fall in karma yoga uh, also it's a long way a lot of lifetimes you have to come to finish karma yoga 
So the most beautiful, the most thing is, is bhakti yoga and para bhakti. Para bhakti is the ultimate. Para bhakti is, is, is when you reach that point, uh, when you are in oneness, when you're uh, in oneness with God. And I would like to close this with this, uh, uh, with this story of the musk deer, if I may. Yes. Uh, uh, so basically, uh, see, uh, and this para bhakti is within us is within us because we are love and uh, and 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 uh, to reach that ultimate to reach god uh, uh, we need we need to we need to um, how should i put it okay let me tell you the story of the musk deer you get a better idea so there is this deer in the himalayas in the, there's this himalayan deer uh, we call it the musk deer uh, but see this deer one day there was this deer and he got this amazing fragrance coming from all around him. And he just kind of was totally uh, mesmerized by it. And he, he wanted it badly. And so he went here and there searching everywhere for it. He's, he, he stopped eating. He just left his family. He went here, there, everywhere, searching, searching, searching. And he couldn't find it. He, he for years he's been searching for us and uh, searching for it, and he couldn't find it. And one day, tired and hungry, he reached the edge of a cliff, and he didn't even realize it was the edge of a cliff, and he fell down. He fell from the edge of this cliff, and as he was falling, you know, his the front of his chest, this portion, it ripped. You know, it got injured. It ripped, and as it ripped suddenly he got the same fragrance that he had been searching for his entire life. And he realized because this musk deer has the, this musk is in the pouch that hangs from under its, uh, its neck. And so when this thing tore up open, he got the fragrance and then he realized that, Oh my God, this musk, this fragrance that he was searching for everywhere outside himself, his entire life, actually existed within him huh. you see yes. that's he realized that as he was falling down but he got the fragrance so what i'm trying to say here is that our entire life we're searching for that love we're searching for everything outside of us whereas it exists inside of us and and that is why the other thing i want to quickly say is that in life when we go to school we go to college we graduate, postgraduate, et cetera. We learn, learn, learn. What we're learning is job skills. These are job skills for the world, for us to live in the world. But you know what? We haven't learned life skills. To live in the world, even to do our job, we need life skills. Our, 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 our school doesn't teach us life skills. So life skills we learn from spirituality. Life, yes. that is why spirituality is, 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 is so important. Spirituality is spirit. We are spirit. We are not the body. And so, and spirit is love. And when we go into that love, and when we aspire to be that love, you see, love is not outside of us. We have to become love. We have to be love. We look for love from other people. We ask for love. But you know what? Forget about asking. Give love. The more love you give, believe me, it multiplies. It'll come back to you a hundred times. Don't ask for it. Just give it. Yes. Give it freely. It doesn't cost you anything. Just give <laughs> love. It's easy. 
just give love and you will get it back and you will reach that point of parabhakti. One of the things that I will be uh, teaching, well, not teaching, what do I know? You know, everything is, you know, is, 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 we don't know anything, frankly speaking. Whatever we know comes to us from the divine and we have to be in gratitude. I live in gratitude. I live in gratitude. And believe me, gratitude brings grace. Gratitude brings grace. Grateful for the pain, grateful for the good, the bad, everything. Gratitude. You see? And so it will take us to Parabhakti. And that is one of the things that I will be helping people reach is Parabhakti. It's how to, how to touch that love within you and become love. And as soon as you become love, you are the I am that I am. You are God. You are divine. Because all there is, is love, love, and only love. Marisai, thank you so much for sharing your uh, profound NDE with us today, and, and uh, especially the remarks you just made about love. Amira, tell folks how they can find your website and your book, and especially the audiobook uh, version. Uh, okay, sure. Uh, my website, interestingly, it got deleted uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how it happened. So I'm putting it back together again. So you'll just see a few pages right now, but uh, within a, couple, a week or so, it'll be full and running. The name of the website is... Uh, www.mirasaiauthor.com. That's M-I-R-A-S-A-I, like my name, A-U-T-H-O-R, mirasaiauthor.com. Mm -hmm. And the email that you can reach me at is there are a bunch of them. There is my name, mirasai at gmail.com. Uh, there is also msai at mirasaiauthor.com on the website and info at mirasaiauthor.com. And uh, the audio, uh, the audio book uh, will be on uh, in the next, uh, you know, couple of days, and you can just go there, and uh, you know, you can, you can, you can hear it, and 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 download it if you wish to, uh, and the book also. Uh, I'm getting it reprinted because it's out of stock right now. Uh, the book Enstasy, uh, it will be available shortly. Uh, but more important than even that is the autobiography that sh should be coming out, hopefully by the end of this year. You will love it. It's a, it's a journey. It's an amazing journey. It's not my journey. It's our journey. It's your journey. You will bond with it. Mm -hmm. you, will, you, will, you will find a lot of deja vus over there. <laughs> and so that's, uh, that's how it is. I don't know what else you want me to say. Uh, I'm looking forward to your autobiography and all the miracles that we weren't yes. able to cover in this, in this brief show. Thank you yes. again, Mira. Just remember, you are a miracle. You are God's miracle. <laughs>